rise and shine. Pour yourself a cup of coffee and tune in to Good Morning Aurora. News, weather, and really cool interviews. Monday through Friday from 8 to 9 a.m. Good morning, Aurora. I am Brenda Rogers, candidate for Kane County Recorder of Deeds. As your next Recorder of Deeds, I will protect our taxpayers' investment, bring awareness to the position, and do outreach to our residents and veterans. I am asking for your vote during early voting, mail-in ballot, or on November 3rd. Vote for Brenda Rogers, Kane County Recorder of Deeds, paid for by Citizens for Brenda Rogers. Accountability, accountability in government is not a nice-to-have, it's a must-have. That's why I'm voting for Tracy Miller for Kane County Board District 4. As a mother and businesswoman, she understands the middle class. From an election judge, citizens' committees, and as a precinct committee person, she's been here with us, the people. From an election judge, Tracy has over 30 years of experience as an accountant, CPA, and small business owner. She's fighting to keep the property taxes from going up and to keep us, the citizens, informed of what's taking place. I want to vote in county government that listens to me. I want a friend, a neighbor, an advocate. I want someone who cares. That's why, as an Aurora resident, I'm voting Tracy Miller on November 3rd for Kane County Board District 4. Our city and county deserve the best. Vote Tracy Miller. Good morning, Aurora. Good morning, Aurora. Good morning, Aurora. And just like that, I know what you're thinking. Damn, it's like 8.48 a.m. But watch, when, when, when I'm done with the news and we're done with the weather for all of you folks out there on this crisp, brisk morning. You're gonna check out the new digs and the digs are diggable. All right, you're listening to Good Morning Aurora, the second largest city's first daily news podcast. And what we have for you is a very good show, a whole lot of good stuff. Uh, but first, the weather. The current temperature is 35 degrees with a high of 60 today. That high will be reached around 4 p.m. Tomorrow will be a sunny day with a high of 73. Uh, and also, in preparation for the 2021 Community Block, excuse me, Community Development Block Grant, you guys have been listening to me fumble over that for like a week now. So you knew between the development and the block, something was going to mess up. Uh, funding cycle: The City of Aurora will host a pre-application webinar on Monday, October 5th, 2020, which is today at 10 o'clock a.m. The webinar is going to provide information about project eligibility, agency capacity, and the application funding process, and also provides an opportunity for residents to learn about the. The CDBG program. Uh, the pre, excuse me, participation in the pre-application webinar is highly recommended. We posted this. We're going to post it again here in just a moment. The telephone and the meeting ID is there as well. And uh, also, digital applications are going to be or are available and must be submitted by the 23rd of this month, which is a Monday at 4 p.m. Okay, so uh, that link is going to be shared as well. It's AuroraTacIL.org and uh, Neighborhood Redevelopment. Shout out to Viso Arts and Roots Aurora and Aurora Public Art for doing their thing at the uh, First Fridays downtown gallery 1904 at 1 East Benton. You know, it was a, it was a great show. So shout outs. The documentary Our Streets premiered. It was awesome. Really liked it. Good job for you guys and everything. And uh, don't forget. Don't forget that there is another virtual hiring day that's coming up with the Kane County Sheriff's Office. Now, Kane County Sheriff Ron Hain has been providing these. Uh, they've been online, but going through that online course, which is completely free, enters you um, into the pool of current places that are now hiring, and they're really good jobs, too. Don't forget, flu season is here. Get your flu shots. Um, now, every Friday in October, in the mornings from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m., so the next one is going to be the 16th and then the 30th and afternoons on the 9th and the 23rd from noon till 4. No appointment needed at Phillips Park, 1000 Ray Moses Drive. And now for the news part two. Good morning, Aurora Sports. Oh, snap. <laughs> Remember last week how positive and optimistic our sites were on sports and then everything just kind of happened? Yes, I yeah. do. Every everybody lost. Damn. <laughs> the Cubs, the Sox, they were both eliminated from the playoffs last week. And then yesterday we had the Bears who were reminded us that they're the Bears. Um, their defense was good, but then the offense. <laughs> <Reminded> <laughs> us that we, the we were Bears. so excited about this quarterback. Um, he came in and uh, they lost to the Colts. It was pretty ugly. I mean, just sad. 19, 19 to 11. Um, basketball, Miami Heat beat the Lakers 115 to 104. They're going to play game four tomorrow. 
Um, and then tonight, uh, Monday Night Football, the Packers play the Atlanta Falcons, and okay. the Patriots also play the Chiefs. Uh, that game was originally scheduled for this weekend, but then because Cam Newton and some, one of the other players tested positive for COVID, Damn. it was moved over to Monday. The Rona. See, everything's just... They're going to make a new sport happening. called Rona Ball. What? <laughs> All right, call for me. I'm going to touch down. All right. Now, we've got, a, uh, we've got a good show. Oh, wait. You got more news. My bad. Uh, oh, you know what? The only other thing was First Fridays, if you're mentioning that. Sugar Spell City was kind of unveiled a little bit. You get some sneak peeks of the windows and the amazing artwork that's going up. So shout out to Aurora Downtown and all the artists and businesses that are premiering those. Take a walk around, especially at night. It looks really cool and creepy. Um, if you're still interested, people can still participate in that and submit artwork to Aurora Downtown uh, for a chance to be entered into a drawing to win a $25 gift card. So you can go to auroradowntown.org um, and get involved. Word up, word up, I'm digging that, all right. And without further delay, we have our sister in the house, our friend, comrade, community partner on the show today, Sandra Gonzalez. What up? What up? What up? Good to have you. Good to have you. Good to have you. <laughs> so I want to say good morning to everybody. and want to give a shout out to the staff, my co-host, Christine, over here. Good morning. Diesel, Hunter, JV, the whole squad in the house. We are here on a Monday. We started a little bit late for you guys, but as you can see, you know, change the location. Uh, so, good morning, Aurora's here, and we're going to have a good interview with our friend. How you been? Been a while. I know. Been a while. I've been uh, shacked up, you know, yeah. doing homework and all that <laughs> other stuff, organizing. Campaigning. Yes, now campaigning. campaigning. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Very cool. Um, so, this is our third interview. Fourth, actually. Fourth, actually, right. um, I was here last with uh, Joanna Sanchez from the Sideline Project. That's correct. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. All right. So we've got something new to talk about today. Um, but just to start off, for those who may just now be listening and getting in tune with you and seeing your face in different places now, mm -hmm. uh, let them know who you are, where you're from. Well, as they said, my name is Sandra Gonzalez. I am... Uh, Aurora, I transplant, so I have been here for five years. I'm an educator, um, I'm a PhD student, um, and a community organizer at heart, so I'll just be connected through the Aurora Rapid Response Team, and now I'm here for the fourth time, so. <laughs> nice, nice, that's right. And uh, Joanna Sanchez was who you were with. Shout out to Joanna Sanchez, mm -hmm. that was a good interview. It was a good interview. All right, so what you been up to since the last time I saw you? Um, so, I, as you mentioned, I've been campaigning because I have I announced last week that I will be running for Wabonzi Community College trustee. Um, nice. So I have been getting signatures. Um, I had a really good weekend. I started campaigning um, first Friday, so I was able to get the first 50 signatures that I need. Um, and now I'm trying to shoot for 200, and so far I have 70. Five, actually so I've just been meeting people where they're at trying to talk to the students the faculty the staff and getting to know the campus more um, I have done some collaborations with the student organizations there as part of the Aurora rapid response team but now I'm doing this as me running for elected office for the very first time so it's a new endeavor for me very good very good um, you're dedicated so that's good I'm glad glad to see that Dedicated, um, motivated. I think it's there's there's a lot of drive in me, and I think right now I'm I've just finally decided that I want to be in that space, um, trying to represent people and the voices that need to be heard. And so I think this is a good uh, this is a good opportunity for me. Good, good. All right. In, All right. in the short time I've known you, that's the first thing I got too is that you're very passionate about your beliefs and you want to make a difference in the community and with that. Yes, and I, I always say that it does take a village too because I, it's not by myself. Um, and so everything that I do is through different collaborations and um, through different organizations. And so definitely shout out to the people that have um, collaborated with me through the organizations that I represent because it's definitely people power, that's for sure. <laughs> hmm. All right. Now you're currently a student. At ISU? I am, correct? yes. All right, yes, all right. Um, what's your typical day like for you? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, let's see. Um, it's been 
Um, it hasn't been consistent lately, um, so I did leave my job as an educator to focus more on my PhD studies. Um, I left in January, so it's actually not been a typical day every day, <laughs> um, but usually what I'll do is um, I did start up my own translation business, um, so if y'all want to have any documents translated, hit up Sipota Translation, we're on Facebook. Um, but I've been getting a lot of work out of that, so usually I'll spend three hours out of the day um, reviewing documents and making sure that they are translated as accurately as possible. Um, and then I'll move on to reading for my own studies and also trying to start the process of collecting uh, literature for my own dissertation um, because I'm a second year PhD student. And then after that, um, I'll usually delve into whatever organizational stuff I have during the day, so whether that be through the Aurora Rapid Response Team, um, whether it be through, I'm also part of the NIU Latino Alumni Council, because that's where I did my undergrad at, and so I'll sometimes delve into that. Um, and then oftentimes I'm more busy at night, because especially now, since I'm trying to get out into the community more socially distanced, of course, with masks. Um, <laughs> no mosh pits and all that. No, no mosh pits. <laughs> um, and really trying to just meet with people and um, see where we can collaborate. And so it's really, it's a typical day for me is at this point untypical, I guess. I don't, again, like I mentioned, I'm trying to find different things and delve into different projects. And so definitely trying to, um, see where it is that I'm most needed and how I can facilitate anything be of assistance. So, yeah. Very cool. Um, now, the last, so in all of our interviews, Aurora went through and had been going through a lot of tough times and ups and downs. Because um, we've been, you know, like, I, like we said, this is our fourth one. Where is Aurora at, you know, the country's chaotic. Where's Aurora right now, in your opinion? What's the temperature? I would say it's lukewarm. Hmm. <laughs> um, what you mean? Flush that out. What you mean by um, So I say that as um, this is my opinion, not as the executive director of an organization or as a member organization of the People's Coalition as well. I'm saying it from my own opinion. Um, definitely, I feel that with respect to just politics of the city, it could definitely be better. Um, it definitely could be used um, um, much, uh, much greater um, consideration of what the people of the community have to say with respect to certain issues, especially um, like last month we saw that they passed a, the budget item for 88000 for more riot gear. Mm -hmm. um, I was not happy about that. Um, and I made that known to my elder person who is Ed Bug. Um, I live in Tenth Ward, right? No, ninth. 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 Okay. And so, um, uh, funnily enough, I actually met him for the first time when he was um, going around and getting his petition signed. <laughs> um, my husband opened the door, and uh, Ed Bug introduced himself. And Nate turned to me. He's like, "Sandy, you might want to come over here." I'm like, "Why? What's going on?" <laughs> Let me go get my wife. She wants to talk to you. <laughs> Um, so I do think that with respect to the way that certain decisions have been made, I'm, I'm not pleased. Um, it, they are starting up the listening sessions for the change initiative again. I just hope that they're not being dominated once again by city officials and APD. Um, are you going to go? Yes, I am going to go um, because I feel that it's important as a community member that people um, do provide that sort of input, especially mm -hmm. people that are largely concerned about just the disparities within between APD and also the disparities in the way that they engage with the community, the black and brown community in Aurora as well. Um, and so at best, we had three older people that were in support of not passing this item, but unfortunately, the larger scope of the city council wanted to put this through. Mm -hmm. um, but now it's not even just about that. It's about how money is being allocated, um, especially when we review the city budget the, for um, the 2021 year. And so I think that the decisions that are being made could be um, 
they, they are up for contention. I think that there are some things that are being misguided, um, people are being misled, and I think that there needs to be more transparency and accountability. Interesting. Um, that doesn't sound lukewarm. That sounds hot. That sounds <laughs> like it's lukewarm. No, but we got people. Transparency, but accountability. The, but this is the, I'm talking about politics. As far as the community side of things, I'm definitely seeing a lot more of the grassroots efforts coming together. Um, I know some of the folks with, um, I think it's Pobis, I want to say. Mm -hmm. um, and so they have definitely started up an initiative with getting a lot of the grassroots organizations mm -hmm. together. Um, I know that they had an event uh, a month back um, at McCarty Park that I was not able to attend because I was sick for a week. Damn. <laughs> um, it was not COVID, it was something else. Okay. But um, it, it, it's definitely um, demonstrating just a lot of the um, kindness and um, consideration for meeting people where they're at. Um, even just some of the local businesses and how they're expressing some of their support towards some of the grassroots that um, some of the activities that they've been putting together and so it's nice to see just more collaboration between community organizations um, and also trying to hold more people accountable to what they do and really being reflective of just the times that have been changing and um, just what is, how is it that your organization and your mission reflect what's going on now? And so I think that's, there's a lot to, of positivity out of that that has emerged. And so I'm happy to see that we're seeing more, um, just more people involved in everything that's going on. Nice. Um, I'm happy um, with what I see. I am. I like when I see people taking part, doing things, coming out to do stuff, uh, instead of spending a Saturday at home, you know, taking, going out there and, and marching and things like that. Um, now, what's your website for the people? My website is Sandra G, the number four, WCC.com. Um, there you can learn more about who I am, my platform, um, just some of the things that I've been involved with. Um, and again, like I said, I'm more of a community organizer at heart, even just doing this and um, this is a bit out of my comfort zone, but again, we don't we don't make change unless we really try to get out of just our comfort level. And so, being uncomfortable with everything that is going on and trying to see where it is that you can create change and going into spaces that maybe otherwise um, you might not feel comfortable in, but you know that it is for the sake of trying to improve things. I think that's a lot of what I'm set out to do. So. Um, I'm just trying to make sure that that change in my skills and um, just experiences with higher education are um, funneled in a manner where I can be of assistance, especially when it comes down to um, community college and higher ed institutions, because that's that's been a lot of what I've gone through. So, yeah. Right. And you're running for trustee. Yes, I what's, am. I mean, what, what's what's wrong with? the uh, administration and the leadership of Wabonzi Community College now. I mean, what, come on, I, I thought it was, come on, right? I mean, yes, yeah, it's, it's, right? If it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? What's, you know, what's wrong with it? Uh, well, what, have you heard anything come out of them? <laughs> I haven't. What does, what I guess does the a trustee do? Button. Can you explain that a little bit with that role for everyone so they understand what you're running for? So um, in terms of being a community college trustee, it does entail a lot of the responsibility of allocation of budgets, um, looking at expenditures, um, and from what I've learned also negotiating um, faculty contracts. Um, uh, the faculty at Wabonzi Community College have been undergoing negotiations for uh, over a year from what I've heard from talking to folks that work at the institution um, and that's not acceptable and so also um, being the folks that do make those decisions about um, tuition um, who the stakeholders are that play into the um, arena of what is a community college and so those are a lot of the big decisions that they make in terms of um, analyzing what enrollment will look like, what does that mean for the budget, and so I think that a lot of what I've been looking into 
suggest that the students and the faculty aren't really pleased with some of the decisions that the Board of Trustees have been making. Um, it, the tr Board of Trustees, from my understanding and talking to folks that are in the institution, um, aren't reflective of what the student and faculty demographic is at the campus. Um, and so I think that there is a need, a great need, for the student and faculty voice to be represented within the board. Um, currently, they are seven, and two positions are going up. I have not heard yet if the incumbents are going to rerun, but I've been told that it's highly likely that they will. Um, oh, and, um, one of them, so I can't remember their last names. <laughs> um, one of them is Rebecca. From my understanding, she's been on the board since 1997. Um, and then the other one, they will be finishing out their first term is Pat. Um, and they've been on the board since 2015 because they are six-year terms. Okay. And so um, for someone to be on the board for 30-some years is, uh, that's a long time. And so they actually are the current board chair. And so people are actually somewhat displeased with the way that she has been handling, especially these contract negotiations and also um, not putting into consideration some of the cultural um, and campus climate sensitivities that students have brought up when it comes to um, just putting on display their cultural heritage um, and any other signifiers of the diversity on campus. So it really does sh demonstrate that this word diversity is being touted and thrown around, but when it comes down to students wanting to demonstrate um, their collective heritage and force, um, it's not always um, reciprocal in that manner. What's the demographic of the board right now? Um, the demographic of the board, so they are predominantly white, mm -hmm. um, tend to be older, um, male, and so as it stands right now, there are three board members that are Latinx, so one of them male, um, or I'm sorry, two board members that are Latinx, so both of them are male. Um, one of them is considered friendly and the other one is not. And then there is another friendly person um, that the faculty consider friendly to their causes, but the other five are who they are looking at as um, replacing over time with folks that are more friendly to the um, considerations that they're trying to get approved. And what do you think you can bring, even a unique skill set as we've talked about, mm -hmm. what, what strengths or what things can you bring to the board? Well, like I said, um, I'm more of a community organizer, but my life has been education so far, and it'll always be education, whether it be me in a classroom or me one-on-one -on -one with students, um, whether it be me lecturing as well or advising. Um, so I think that a lot of the skill set that I bring is more from that bridging aspect of from high school into college, um, helping students navigate what it means um, to explore non-traditional versus traditional options. Uh, I do understand that um, there is an administrative play in all of this where we have to understand what higher ed governance means and what it means for the student body and also the faculty body. And oftentimes I think the faculty do get forgotten in all of this. Um, and I by no means am an expert in labor organizing or union organizing, but I have the knowledge of being part of a teacher union and what that means in collective bargaining um, and having the experience of going without a contract for a little while and um, learning more about what that means for someone in a teaching position. And so I think that oftentimes the faculty do get left out of the conversation because they seem to be isolated from everything else on campus. And they really are the boots on the ground just like the students are. Um, and so really trying to understand that and understanding um, that people come in with different mindsets and trying to navigate that. I think just from a community organizing standpoint, you do have to understand who the different stakeholders are, what they bring to the table, and trying to um, 
it's almost like um, trying to put the pieces of a jigsaw puzzle together. So really seeing how your um, your inclinations fit into that puzzle and how it is that you can work with people. I feel that that skill lends itself to this as well because we're talking about the college president as well answers to the board of trustees. Right. And from what I found out right now, it's the other way around. And so they really do have to, um, one, put back into alignment the way that things are are hierarchically prioritized in addition to um, understanding that people bring different things into play and so I think my skill sets about education, navigating the system, also being a first-generation college student with the students that do make up the demographic of the campus being largely Latinx, 34% even, um, and how that budget is benefiting the students and the faculty too, I think those are all things that um, lend to the way that I understand navigating all of this. Interesting. The time is now 9, 12 a.m. You're listening to Good Morning Aurora, the second largest city's first daily news podcast, and we are here with our friend and candidate for Wabonzi Community College trustee, Sandra Gonzalez. And yes, those are real books. <laughs> Knowledge is power this early it in the is. morning. Um, and we are little bit later after nine today you guys and this may be our time going forward um, Sandra I, I, I want to I want to paint a picture as a resident I look at my services I look at Wabonzi Community College um, and I look well before I get there does the Sugar Grove experience match this downtown location is it at does it need representation too on their boards and committees it doesn't seem to reflect the experience of the downtown campus and you've keep been in practicing mind. that answer for a long time <laughs> it doesn't seem to reflect you i like that i like that um very polished <laughs> um i just it it's i think people have this misunderstanding that um the trustee only represents the downtown campus and um, from the campaigning that I've done so far and getting signatures, they have asked me that, is it just for a certain campus? And so um, dispelling the myth that it's just that campus, it deals with the entire institution as a whole. So we're talking about the downtown campus, the Fox Valley campus, Sugar Grove, and the Plano campus. And all of those campuses have a different experience. They have the different climate. and so. I think trying to understand how the resources are being split up between those different buildings, because that's essentially what it is, is are they being staffed properly? And especially now with COVID, how is that being um, supplemented? Is it being virtually done? Um, how are they allocating the budget so that um, people are the faculty are there um, at a respective time, the course load, how are students navigating this? Because again, it's not just Aurora that's being serviced by this institution. We're talking about um, even as far as Sandwich, Illinois, Maple Park, so going into DeKalb County. And so I still have yet to learn more from those students as far as the other campuses that are at play here because it's definitely different between Sugar Grove and downtown. I still have yet to learn about what it's like, say, at Fox Valley where it's at Rush Copley's campus versus Plano. And so I think that people need to understand that when we're dealing with um, budgeting for a community college and then the network and the spread of those resources, we have to keep in mind how it is that the staff are being distributed to those different places. Got it, got it. Uh, I want you to succeed. Um, you need 200 signatures. Yes. You're at 75. Mm-hmm. Okay, your boy signed, you know, yes, yeah. the signature and all that. Yeah, we did that. <laughs> We're gonna make sure we pass it around the room, make sure everybody signs. Um, what's it like for you, on a personal level, to go from okay, you were you were more than just a resident. You were involved. Mm -hmm. What's it like to be getting signatures now and trying to get people to to oh, dig gosh. the message and you know, people who are not your friends. 
I think it's 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 different from just canvassing to let people know about their rights. Um, it's now you're definitely having to chase after people. <laughs> As I found out on first Friday that night, I was um, standing and trying to just chase people down and tell them about myself. And it's, I have to perfect my elevator pitch now to like 30 seconds, especially when you're on the street, because otherwise people will think you're selling something to yeah. them. And then they otherwise think that you're trying to register them to vote, and then they're already registered, but you have to tell them like, no, I'm not trying to register you to vote, I just need to get on the ballot. And so it's very different from just um, trying to inform people about, say, how, how the immigrant community benefits Aurora to um, why it's important that community colleges thrive, um, what it is that FAFSA is, so financial aid, um, giving presentations that don't necessarily, they don't benefit me in any way other than just putting a face to a name and then the organization um, having this information and I think now it's just different because I'm not used to being so much the center of attention and now I have to get comfortable with that. I'm more like I like being behind the scenes and getting the work done so I think it's uh, newfound territory for me where I actually have to be um, I, I have to be much more out there and actually chase people down and make sure that they one thing that like captures their attention is so that they remember me. It's hard work. It is. <laughs> Stepping out of your comfort zone. Yeah. yeah. Getting people to listen. Um, given that it's hard work, why shouldn't a person be there 30 years if they're voted for and they reflect the values of those who are voting for? I mean, why not? I think it has to do with the way that education changes, and education can change, and as I've found just from K-12, many things change in just five years alone. Um, and even just in a year, I remember when I was teaching at the high school level, we made the switch from the ACT to the SAT, and it was such a fast switch, um, and we had to learn on the fly and what the repercussions of that were. And also when we were still administering park at the high school level, the um, just learning about how the technology lends itself to that testing. Um, so many things change, even requirements for graduation, whether that be at the high school or the college level can change over time. Um, how are you connected to um, the legislative aspect, the policy aspect of education too, and making sure that you're up to date with that. Um, and so often we've seen with elected officials who end up making a career out of this, and I would like to point out, I'm not looking to make a career out of being trustee. I'm looking to um, be able to, uh, in that time frame that I am there, um, put ideas in that are equitable, that allow for more students of color to be heard and represented in addition to faculty. And so I think so often what happens is that when we are there for so long and we don't hold ourselves accountable to the changing landscape of education, things become stale, we don't often hear from those folks, um, we don't know what's going on in the background, and it's, it does and can lead to um, a stalemate with whatever the institution is trying to do. And oftentimes institutions can be left behind as a result of who is at, this, at the table um, and probably not reflective of the changing demographic too. So while there is nothing wrong with someone being there 30 years, they probably are very dedicated and driven but how are they holding themselves accountable to the way that the landscape changes over time? And um, again, as I mentioned before, um, they're usually, the people that are there right now, they're not considered friendly to the students and the staff and faculty. Um, so there's definitely a need for that turnover, and I think it's time that um, if they 
if they aren't willing to put in the professional development, reach out to the students and the staff and meet them where they're at, then it is time for a change. Mm. Yeah, change is good. Change is definitely good, yeah. Um, I think that education uh, needs to be, especially at the upper levels, upper echelons, it needs to reflect the community. I mean, uh, students literally cannot see people who don't represent themselves and feel like they're part of the entire experience. Mm -hmm. I mean, it just it just does not happen. You know, generations of kids going by wondering, like, why are they all the, why are all the principals one color? Is it even possible for me to be a principal? Mm -hmm. You know, um, I think that's very important. What's up? Where can people meet you? you said, I know you're going around to the campuses. If they want to sign your, um, not a petition, your form, <laughs> to get that signed, where, where can they find you? Or how can they get it signed? Um, I've been contemplating this, um, so I'm trying to work out a place where I can really be at to make sure that people come out, so I'm still planning that, so I would recommend that they follow me or like my Facebook page, so it's Sandra G, the number four WCC, or my Instagram, and I provide updates there as far as where I'll, I'll be. Um, I'm trying to work out probably being stationed at a, a coffee shop, um, preferably downtown or in areas where a lot of the students need um, uh, are largely represented. So stay tuned for that because I'm still trying to figure that out. Nice. <laughs> so follow your social media. Yes. For, for their, for we'll share. Things. We'll share any of your stuff too. Awesome. Now we do. Um, all right. I got a question. I have a question that's been burning, burning in my soul to ask you since our since our last interview. Burning in my soul. Um, we've got three candidates for mayor. Mm -hmm. Three or four? I thought it was three. Right? Uh, my understanding is that it's Judd Lofty, John Lash, the current mayor. Current. Well, I think it's three. Yeah, I didn't think there was a. I didn't think there was a fourth. I've been hearing rumblings about a fourth. Who was the? What's the rumble? What's the name? Is there? I don't have a name. I just know that there's someone who's looking to run. Yo, somebody in the comments, what's the name? <laughs> <laughs> if you got that fourth name, drop that. I mean, Whatever it, the rumbles once were. Once it goes over five, there has to be a primary in February. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, let's see. Uh, Tracy Duran, where you at? Where you at? Shout outs. Um, Juanita, what's up? Local GTZ. Where you <laughs> I want that info. Is there a fourth candidate? Um, it, before we get to there, if we get it, um, here's the question I have for you, though. Um, is I hear a lot of grumbling, and people say that uh, the top, you know, the mayor, the current administration, if that would change, that would be so symbolic that it would force a, floor, a, a torrent of the change that we want to see. Do you believe that? Do you believe that it's just as simple as changing the, t you know, we need a new mayor, then all, you know, those things will start to... I don't believe it's as simple as just replacing the current mayor. Okay. Um, it's definitely an institutional thing. Um, you have to look at the policies and the current... Um, uh, ordinances and any rules that are in place as the way that um, the City Council navigates items um, the way that they make certain things public their transparency and accountability again going back to that it's not just about who's in place it's really about um, really reflecting on how is it that our current policies are um, allowing us or not allowing us to be more um, honest with the community and I think there's still a lot of things that need to be reflected upon that right now as it stands I don't think we're being told everything that we need to know and so um, we need to do more than that we really need to start looking at the institutional policies um, the City Council the way that they uh, administrate things to be able to create real change you're El Salvadoran. Salvadoran, yeah. Salvadoran. Um, what is the Latinx experience in Aurora? That is a challenging question. Are you asking, as from my perspective, or are you asking in general? In general, with you being a strong voice and advocate. 
I think that there's definitely a strong Latinx presence in Aurora. Um, if you look at it just superficially from the businesses that we have present, um, the people that are looking to um, be represented in the community, I think that even just the heritage, the language, um, whether you speak it or not, it's uh, definitive of the Latinx experience here in Aurora. Um, and so I think people do take great pride in um, the fact that we do have a large Latinx presence in Aurora, that you're able to walk down the street, you turn the corner and you see a Latinx business. Um, but I also realize that I also have a very different perspective um, personally because I don't form part of the majority of the Latinx ethnicity that is represented here in Aurora, which is largely Mexican. And so I form part of that minority within the minority, so to speak. Um, so for me, I enjoy seeing all of that because I didn't grow up in a um, town. I didn't grow up in a neighborhood that was largely Latinx. I grew up in an area that was largely predominantly white and Korean. And so I never had the um, experience of growing up, going to school with um, largely Latinx students um, until I got to um, my undergrad and I met someone that worked at the Latino Center on campus. And that was when I really got connected with my cultural and linguistic um, experiences that I was not afforded when I was younger. So being in Aurora for me was definitely a change when I moved here because I, it just meant that more people um, are more expressive about who they are. Um, I hear the language spoken everywhere. Um, and even if they don't speak it themselves, they're very proud of who they are and where they're from. Um, and for me as a Salvadoran, I feel like I'm more at liberty to express that I am Salvadoran because of the fact that the Latinx presence is so large here. What's the difference between Latino and Hispanic? I've always had to teach this. Oh, well, girl, <laughs> hey, you know, get to, and just like that, it's an educational show. Uh, <laughs> this is usually one of the first units of the school year with the native-speaking classes that I've taught is what's the difference between these two terms. Um, and I have, in the past, erroneously taught this because it also does include um, places where the Romance languages, so French, Spanish, um, Portuguese, have touched the continent. Mm -hmm. um, and so the difference between the two is that Hispanic also includes Spain. So they are countries that were touched by Spain, colonized by Spain, um, and what you see today, the predominance of the Spanish language is what you hear, and so that is the term Hispanic, is that it has to do with the Iberian Peninsula, right. hence Spain. Right. Um, and then with Latino, or Latina, Latinx, uh, Latine is now what some people are using. <laughs> oh, fancy. Latine. We're going to do a matinee in Latine. Y'all well, like that. What? I, Shout out. I prefer that because it's actually a little bit, um, it rolls more in the language versus Latinx because when you try to pronounce it in Spanish, it would be like Latinex or whatever, which doesn't make sense to me. I've, so that's what, they're, that's what they're, I hear people say that. I've heard people in speeches like, I'm here representing the Latinex, and I'm like, what the <laughs> okay. Um, it's, it just depends on who the person is and how they choose to pronounce it. Hmm. But um, when you are talking about someone who is Latino or Latina or Latine or Latinx, Latinx whatever, um, they are countries that were colonized by um, countries that uh, speak the Romance languages. So we're talking about Brazil. Portugal. Um, we're talking about um, Suriname and the, see, I can't remember those other two countries that are at the top of South America, but they were colonized at one point by France. Argentina's at the top. 
Uh, Argentina is... Oh, it's kind of the side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and um, even, so when I said that I have erroneously taught this in the past, um, Belize is considered to be an English colony, uh, once an English colony, but because it's surrounded by Spanish-speaking countries and ha- was also inhabited by the Spaniards at one point, it's also considered... Um, Latino by the fact that it was touched by a country that speaks a Romance language. The Portuguese colonized Angola, Mm -hmm. which is Africa. Would that count? So that's interesting because there's also an African country, um, I want to say, oh boy, uh, Equatorial Guinea. Um, They were also colonized by the Spaniards, and it hasn't been long that they have gained independence, but they're not considered Latinx, and I don't quote me on this, but I don't even know if they um, associate with the Hispanic term either. It's quite the conundrum. Hmm. Quite. Um, That was a good lesson i feel more i i understand now okay. i understand that now yeah i've um i've been <laughs> it's very confusing yeah, I, yeah. yeah exactly there's I've, a lot of overlap but then then you i'm i'm glad you brought up the african aspect of it because that's there's also not a lot of history around that to or linguistic history around that taught in schools that i've tried to do but again, like I said, there's very limited knowledge around that. Um, and so it's a different experience altogether. Um, and so it's, it's, very, um, it's very complex because then you get into, well, the issue of, well, we have this term Latinidad and it's basically um, like Latinx panethnicity, like, the, like African panethnicity um, where we lump everything together, all these ethnicities together, but unfortunately one of the consequences of that has been the erasure of black, the black and indigenous experience. And so those are typically conversations that I've tried to strike up with my own students too in an effort for them to understand um, just a lot of the role of um, linguistic, cultural identity, what does that look like, right. and what does it mean from their perspective, what they see on TV, and everything of that nature. Nice. Um, do you need help on your campaign? I do. I do need help um, right now with getting petitions signed okay. um, and also handing out literature. So, yeah. Okay. All right. Um, now, we talked about p- the potential of getting out or being at a location uh how can people just come help you out with the with the literature and things like that and get at you so as i mentioned my website before mm-hmm. sandra g for wcc.com there's actually a feature on there where you can reach out to me email me um, and i can um, let you know more about coordinating that and helping out and also donate you know i i'm doing this all on my own um, with help from other folks and so just the little bit that you can put forth, even five dollars, you know, maybe skip that coffee one day. <laughs> Damn, you asking for hey, you, asking, <laughs> you asking for dedication. Uh-huh. Don't drink no treadwell, give it to your girl. Yeah. <laughs> I love treadwell, but right, you know. yeah. <laughs> sacrifices must be made. Sacrifices must yeah. be made. Um, all right, so the time is now 9.35 a.m. You've been listening to Good Morning Aurora, the second largest city's first daily news podcast. We have been thankful to be joined by our dear friend and sister, um, Sandra Gonzalez, running for Wabanzi Community College trustee. Mm-hmm. Um, as we know, oh, you got one more? For oh, us? no, I was just going to let you know, too, that Tracy Duran, mm-hmm. check out the Facebook comments because she did give you the full City of Aurora election update. Mm-hmm. Should have known already. Tracy Duran, shout out, shout out, shout out. Okay, <laughs> yeah, only, only three candidates so far. Um, so I, I there's been announced. There's been rumblings. I can't, I just don't yeah. know the name and... You know, we I, got I, a lot of rumbles on this show. This must be the rumble room with the. <laughs> um, so we got to figure out who that fourth candidate or fourth mm-hmm. potential candidate is for mayor. 
Um, I, yeah, there's a lot was. of good people that are running for the very first time. Mm -hmm. um, so if you don't know, I, this is why it's so important to be um, knowledgeable about who the candidates are. And I'm not just saying that because it's some cliche. I'm really saying that like you should really take the time to explore um, even people that are not as well known but have been doing the work behind the scenes because I know there are quite a few folks in our grassroots organizing circles that are just, they're kind of, they're fed up, they're angry, they want to um, lend their voices to what's happening. And I think that's, it serves them right because we're now seeing how, um, how movements and how decisions um, just impact a lot of what we do in the city. Um, and also just, the, it necessitates real change. And I think, um, I. Th I mean, I'm not a fan of the mayor. I will say that right now. Um, and I am not hesitating to say that because I, have, I haven't been a fan for a while and I think that there just needs to be change. However, I don't know about the experiences of the other mayoral candidates and hence why I'm saying I need to do my own education as far as who is running and what would best benefit the people of Aurora. Nice. Learn your candidates yes. and what they stand for. Yeah. Um, so the show ends on a positive note, as you know. I know. Um, what is your message for the people of Aurora for today, starting off the week? I will say that if you are concerned about your ballot getting to where it's supposed to be, if you originally wanted to do mail-in voting, take advantage of early voting, um, mask up, bring hand sanitizer. If you did get a mail-in ballot, you will need to bring it with you and surrender it at the polling place. And that is just another way that you can ensure that your vote gets through. You've been watching Good Morning Aurora, the second largest city's <laughs> yeah. first daily news podcast. Strong words from our friend Sandra Gonzalez, running for Wabonzi Community College trustee. And vote if you can't. That's the most important part, too. That's right. On behalf of Good Morning Aurora, from us to you, we hope that you guys have a safe, positive, blessed, and motivated uh, Monday and going on into this week. And we will see you back here tomorrow morning on the Second Largest City's First Daily News Podcast. Peace.